We grieve over our sin. This is a clear sign of righteousness within us, that we have sorrow for what sin we have, but most of us measure what sin did to our lives. Some of you are still reaping what sin has done in our lives. We consider the cost, we have regrets over decisions we made in the past, and we mourn the sins and what sin did to us. But we often neglect to consider what sin did to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see him for a little while. He was made lower than the angels. Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. The wages of sin is death. The Son of Man put on flesh came to dwell among us that he would take our death for us. And this verse mesmerizes me so that by the grace of God, this is God's grace, this is God's favor to us, Jesus might taste death for everyone. Do you understand the far-reaching scope of that love? God so loved the world, he gave the Son. He didn't just show up. He gave all. That he would taste death for us. And when I consider the taste of death, uh, these words were chosen by the writer of Hebrews so that you would have a sense in your own mouth as to the taste of blood, the taste of phlegm, the taste of violence, the taste of bitterness, and the taste of death itself in your mouths to understand the Son of Man, the Son of God, tasted death. While he hung on the cross, it says that they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. Why? Well, the wine was a type of wine that common among Roman centurions, Roman soldiers, they had a cheap kind of wine that was almost like vinegar. But this wine that they were going to give to him was mixed with gall. Gall is a narcotic. Gall comes from poppy seeds. And so they gave this wine and gall to him before they crucified him. After they had beaten him and struck him and were ready to put the nails, they, they put this wine and gall for him to drink so that it would ease the pain. There was some level of some kind of mercy here of some sort, but they were trying to give him a drug that would ease the pain. As soon as Jesus tasted that this was an attempt to ease the pain of his suffering, he refused it. Because he was to be fully cognitive and fully aware, uh, fully aware of the taste of death. In all of its dimensions, in all of its suffering, he would not 
take the edge off of it so that he tasted death for everyone. John 18, 11, Jesus told Peter, put away your sword. And he said, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? He would not drink the cup of narcotics, but he would drink the full cup of what the Father had given him. And it is by God's grace Jesus tasted death. This is the cup that he was to drink. The death of us all. Another reason Jesus would not take that drink is because according to Leviticus chapter 10, verses 8 to 10, the priests were not to drink wine or strong drink. And Jesus was as high priest offering himself as the lamb and he would have violated the law of Leviticus if he would have taken that drink. But he must fulfill the law to perfection even in this place of suffering and tasting death. It overwhelms me. Continue to understand what our sin did to him. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree. Where were our sins? In him. Upon him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He bore the world's sin in his body. This is my body, what? Broken for you. He bore our sins in his body. This is not a figurative statement. This isn't an allegory. This is the fact that he tasted death, and as he hung on that tree, all of our sins were assigned into the affliction of his body. That he might die to sin and live to righteousness, and by his wounds or stripes you have been healed. That's from Isaiah, the prophecy of his death. The word bore our sins means to carry it is in the sense of the Hebrew word to place on the altar you see in the Old Testament when they would have the sin offering they would lay their hands upon the animal feeling that heartbeat of that animal they would slit its throat and as the blood drained out they would feel that heartbeat cease and they would recognize that their sins applied to the body of that animal caused that animal's death and peter is referencing the fact that he was placed on the altar of the cross for our sin for my sin for your sin Oh, I feel horrible about what sin did to me, my life. But what did it do to him? He bore my sin in his body. In his body. When I consider the wounds in his body, 
He was taken. And it says he was beaten. Sometimes we read in Scripture and, and we see that they, they slapped, assaulted. But if you would understand what they did, they punched him in the face continually. They slapped him. They spit into his face. Isaiah tells us 500 years before it even happened that they pulled out his facial hair and beard. Then they took a crown of thorns, each thorn being two to three inches long, and they hammered it into his brain, into his skull, and into his skin. They scourged him with a cat of nine tails, which means that this whip with leather lashes at the end of it had broken shards of glass and metal, tearing out his flesh. One of the soldiers took a spear and shoved it between his ribcage into his heart. The word, by his stripes you have been healed, we often reference that, that to lashes on his back. But when you look in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the word for these stripes, the ESV has it correct, by his wounds, because it wasn't just the stripes on his back. It's actually not a, a plural, it's a singular. By his wound you have been healed. And what was his wound? His entire body was one scourged wound from the tip of his head to his feet that had nine inch nails through his feet and through his hands. Every part of his body was wounded to bear our sin. To bear our sin. He was one huge wound. Isaiah 1, 5, and 6 says this, again prophetically seeing what was to come. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head. There is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Isaiah 52, 14 says this, As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. He was a piece of ripped flesh hanging on that tree. Bleeding from every aspect of his body. Why am I pressing this? Why am I saying this? Because we, my sin, your sin, did that to him. We're responsible. And sometimes in our faith, we sanitize it. We we make sure the pictures aren't that vulgar so that our children can see it. We, we hang images of a crucifixion and, and we see 
Jesus. We, we use it for jewelry as the cross, and, and we have t-shirts, and, and, and yes, it's the emblem, but if we were truly to consider what it cost him, and that this is God's grace, that he would taste death. Oh, I pray for the grace of God that when it is your hour and you come to death, that it would be peaceful, it would be serene, it would be in your sleep possibly, it would be so quick. But not for him, was it? As he hung on that cross for hour after hour after hour. But not just suffering such pain in his body, but the worst was suffering the wrath of God upon him for our sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. They cried out. He cried to the Father. Feeling that pain. He bore our sins in his body. My sin was in his body on that cross, on that tree. By the grace of God, he would taste death for everyone. What that means is he would taste death for everyone. It meant he tasted the accumulative death of every human soul that would ever exist. With the judgment of God upon him for sin. You know this verse of Scripture, Isaiah 53, again prophetically declaring years before it took place. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It is a sacred chapter. It is the forbidden chapter for Jews to read because it is so clear as to what it represents. Starting at verse 4, well, it says this, Surely he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. The word here, surely he bore our griefs, that word in the Hebrew literally is sickness. He bore our sickness. Now, salvation in the New Testament is well beyond simply, and I say this, it's not a simple process, but more than just having our sins forgiven. Sozo is a word that means salvation, means saved, and that means the wholeness of God brought into our lives. We were saved from sin, broken its power and its curse, but this word, he also bore our sickness. And he carried our sorrow. That word sorrow in Hebrew is physical pain. He bore our sickness and our physical pain. The cause of sin, the cause of death in life brings us sickness and pain. He bore that. He carried that. Yet we esteem him, the world sees him as smitten, cast out, afflicted by God. 
They laughed at him. They, they mimicked him. They, they said, if you're the Messiah, then come on off the, the cross. Heal yourself. Deliver yourself. They saw him as one afflicted by God. The word stricken, smitten by God, that word, they esteemed him stricken. That word has been translated in Leviticus six times uh, and uh, 14 times in total of the Old Testament as leprosy. They, They considered him leprous. What does that mean? Cursed of God. They believed, the Jews believed that that it was the mark of judicial vengeance by God upon someone else. They they said, you're a leper. You're cursed. They didn't understand what he was doing there by bearing his own body and our sin in that body. He was bringing salvation and wholeness to mankind. And uh, he was considered afflicted by God. Matthew 8 16 and 17 says this, Matthew recognizes this verse, and he says, that evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out those spirits, and with a word he healed all who were sick. These are the two signs of the kingdom of God, healing and deliverance. And as Jesus did this as a sign of being Messiah, Matthew says this, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He's quoting Isaiah 53.4. This deliverance from sin is more than just a salvation that eventually brings us to heaven. It is in fact bearing the kingdom of God and its healing virtues and delivering power into our lives. By defeating sin within us, He's put His Spirit of holiness within. The next verse, you know this. He was pierced for our transgressions. King James says He was wounded for our transgressions. The The idea is to be pierced, to be nails shoved through his body and a spear through his ribcage. He was crushed. King James says bruised, but literally he was pulverized, pulverized for our iniquities. Who allowed this to happen? Jesus did. For he said, no man will take my life. I lay it down. How could God dare to allow this to happen to his son? Why didn't he save him? Because God so loved the world. It is by grace he let Jesus taste death. Do you see the cost within the Godhead? Upon him was the chastisement or the punishment that brought us peace. There's a holy exchange here. And with his wound, stripes, wounds, singular though, an entire crushing of his being, we are healed. You and I deserved eternal hell. You and I deserved such punishment, such torment, such loss of life because of our sin that so violates God's holy creation 
and His perfect love for us. But in His love, He sent the Son who would taste death, spitting blood out of His mouth, spitting the bile from out of His his liver, His kidneys, spitting out and spewing and tasting the very death within His body that was culminating by the loss of all of His blood and barely being able to breathe. He exchanged His relationship with the Father, His position with the Father to us and took our death and punishment. Can we ever get too far away from understanding this? Psalm 69, 20 says, I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. No comforters had I found. But there's one more wound Isaiah talks about. One more wound that had to be and is the most offensive wound that came against him. It's found in verse 3 of Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And here's the wound. We esteemed him not. There's no greater wound to inflict upon our Savior than not to esteem Him for what He has done for us. We often grieve our sin and what it did to our lives. And we neglect to grieve what it did to Him. The world rejects Him and He died for everyone. That is a wound at the cross that he would be despised. It's growing in our land that many will not esteem him. But there's no greater wound than when his own body, the body of Christ, forgets to esteem this great salvation. Are you grateful for the cost of your salvation? Do you and I esteem Him to the place He belongs? For the Father esteemed Him and said this, Therefore God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Can I go a day without esteeming Him? Can I go an hour without esteeming this sacrifice and love? Can I go a minute without considering the name of Christ and esteeming Him above my thoughts above my cares, above my purposes. Oh, I don't want to afflict another wound upon my Lord. I don't want to be, I don't want to be bored with God. 
I can't be put off by the king. I, I, I can't be more concerned about the trifles of life and not esteem him above all things. May every breath that I take have with it the praise to his glory for what he has done for you and I. Bow your heads with me. Oh God, I pray. That our, our lives don't wound you or offend you by lacking to esteem you. You deserve all praise, all glory. You deserve every breath we take. You tasted death for me. Holy Spirit, would you come now and humble us with great affection for what Christ did. We repent of our sin, of what it cost you. We lay it at this altar today. Search your hearts this morning. If there is sin to lay before God, bring it to this altar and leave it. For the sacrifice was made for you and I. If you want to esteem him this morning for his greatness of love demonstrated, then pour your heart out today. Pour it out. Pour it out. Are you embarrassed to raise your hands? Are you embarrassed to speak to him? Are you embarrassed? How can this be that we the people of God would not praise him with every ounce we have? Oh, come and worship your Savior, your King.